You and I know we are living in some very exciting days. You just watch the news and you're always wondering when's going to be the next war. We know they're either going to be a peace treaty or there's going to be an all-out war and then a peace treaty. But we know that with Israel, there has to be a peace treaty made. We also know that Russia is going to come down against Israel. We know that there's going to be about 200 million soldiers come from the east toward Israel. So the lot of things that we do know, putting all the pieces of the puzzle together is a little bit more difficult. When Jesus was here, he talked about the last days. They came to him and asked him, when are these things going to take place? So there is a prophecy concerning the last days, and we believe that those days are right ahead of us, many of these. Now, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, we believe that we are living at a time when things could turn ugly very, very quickly all over the globe. The Bible describes a big famine that's going to take and hit the world. It talks about war and bloodshed that's going to be taking place all over the world. This is found in the book of Revelation in chapter 6 and the opening of those first four seals. So there's a lot of things that are going to take place and could happen very quickly. We know we talk about the second coming of Christ when he comes to the earth we also talk about the rapture where Christ comes back for the believers. And um, it gets a little bit on the difficult side trying sometimes to put all these things together in the right sequence. So hopefully we'll accomplish a little bit of that today. A large percentage of the Bible is pre-written history. About a fourth of the Bible, pre-written history. History written before it takes place. That's what makes the Bible so interesting and so exciting. Prophecy demands a study of the book of Matthew in chapter 24. So as we study some of these things about the future, you always seem like you've got to go to Matthew 24. So I want you to go ahead and take your Bible and be looking there and understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ and fulfilled prophecy are two of the most powerful proofs that the Bible truly is the Word of God. The resurrection, Christ coming back from the dead. And prophecy that is fulfilled, even though the resurrection is part of prophecy. But a lot of things have already been fulfilled, but there are still a few things yet in the future that's going to take place. Now in Matthew chapter 24, we're going to start there in verse 1 and read uh, a few of these scriptures. Just the first eight verses for right now. Because to understand prophecy, you need to go to Matthew 24 and see how it's laid out. Because it's laid out very beautifully. Look there in verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. So we know the temple was standing in the days of Christ. Now when we read the book of Daniel in chapter 9, it says that... The temple at that time was destroyed because the children of Israel had been taken captive into Babylon. But after 70 years, they would go back and rebuild the temple and they would rebuild the temple. And then the Messiah would come 
and then the temple would be destroyed. You and I are living when the temple has been destroyed. But in Christ's day, it was here. But the Bible prophesied almost 700 years in advance that once Jesus Christ comes, he would be crucified, cut off, but not for himself. And then the temple would be destroyed again. Well, since the temple has been destroyed, the Messiah must have already come. So he says here in verse 2, Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. That's prophetic. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world, or the end of the age? Now his answer is not to the church. The church did not exist at this time. His answer is to the nation of Israel. It's to the Jewish people. Because this period of time, remember this. The Bible prophesied that there would be 70 weeks of Daniel. 70 weeks of sevens, which would be 490 years from the time the prophecy was given. And so up until the time of Jesus Christ when he was cut off was the end of the 483 years, which left seven years. Christ is now going to explain those seven years. Those seven years are yet in the future. But whenever it gets here, this is the layout of what's going to happen during that seven-year period of time. So when you look there at verse 15... And he says, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. This is in the middle of the tribulation period when the Antichrist causes that sacrifice that has been offered now in the new temple that's going to be built. This is in the middle of the last seven year period of time. So the church is not written in these verses at all. And this is why so many people get the rapture of the church in the wrong place. I want to try to help you today to understand that. So he says here in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that ye, no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and of rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. When he says there's going to be many going to come in the name of Christ and so forth, like uh, women, these disciples didn't fall for that. Because the disciples, they were real grounded and they knew who the Messiah was. So this has to be talking about some people that are going to be living in a future date, which is what it is. And there will be wars and rumors of wars. Down in verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation. Well, this wasn't in time of the... Twelve disciples, no. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and they shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, I want you to know when he says in Matthew 24, verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning of the seven years. This is during that seven-year period of tribulation that's coming upon the world. And there's a lot of wicked things that are going to be taking place, but it begins with a peace treaty that will be made with Israel. Even today, and all presidents seems like trying to find a way to have a peace in Israel. One day it will happen. And it'll be a time when 
Russia is going to want to come down against Israel. The world is choosing sides. We are living at a very interesting and exciting period of time upon the earth. Now, what we call post-rapture condition means those things that happens after the rapture takes place. Now, the next thing to happen according to the timetable is for us to be caught up out of here. Then, intense pressure of things that are going to take place upon the earth. So it is after the rapture takes place. Now, the rapture is where all those who have trusted Christ as Savior will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that will take place before the seven years begin. So, this first period of time is called the beginning of sorrows. In the book of Jeremiah, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Remember, when we talk about Jacob, we're talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. We're talking about the nation of Israel. And it's prophesied that whenever God gave that prophecy in the Old Testament about the 70 weeks to Daniel, you're talking about upon thy holy people and upon thy holy city, upon Israel and upon Jerusalem. So that's the main focus of the tribulation period of time. The church is not found in these scriptures. So the Bible says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. This is during this period of time, the signs that are leading up to the return of Christ to the earth. Now remember, when Christ was there, he never talked to them about the rapture. He did talk to them a thing that were mentioned in the Old Testament about Christ coming in power and great glory and about every eye will see him and that he is going to come back. So when Christ comes back, he comes back here to the earth at the end of the tribulation period, this tribulation that's coming upon the earth. That's why it's called tribulation because it's the worst period of time that the world has ever known. So when he says, when ye... That's the Jews, not us, not the church. When ye shall see the abomination of desolation. That's during the tribulation period. That's in the middle of the tribulation period. But the first part of the tribulation period is the beginning of sorrows. This is where the Antichrist takes over the power... He promises peace, safety, abundance, prosperity, all that, and comes into power, and people will give their power unto this man. And in the middle, he is going to break this peace treaty and claim to be God himself and begins to destroy and goes after the Jewish people to totally annihilate the Jewish people. Now, there's a lot of people, even in the United Nations, that would love to see the nation of Israel totally destroyed. But this is what's coming. But this is during the midpoint of the tribulation period. This is your verse 15 of Matthew chapter 24. When ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, sent in the holy place, this is that period of time and this is where that takes place. Now, I want us to take our Bible and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. And look there in verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, 
And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So we know this is in the future when Christ gave this. Because all this didn't happen to the apostles that were right there at this time. He says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. The only ones that will live until the end of the tribulation period are going to be believers. But there's two ways. They will be left alive at the end of the tribulation period because there's great persecution and there's going to be many of the Jews annihilated. But there will be some that will still be left alive and they will go into the kingdom and become the seed by which God is going to build the greatest nation on the face of the earth, which will be the nation of Israel. That's hard for people to believe, but it is still true. The word of God is true. So then he makes this statement. In verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, when we read in the book of Revelation, where it talks about how that, yes, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will be preaching during that period of time. And then also about the angel having the gospel of the everlasting kingdom preaching all over the world. And so there will be people from every nation, every tongue, that will trust Christ as their Savior during the tribulation period. Multitudes will be killed. It will be the worst period of time that the world has ever known. Now, when you get into the book of uh, Revelation in chapter 6, when they said, and the souls of them that were in heaven said, How long, O Lord, will thou not avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? And he says, Rest yet a little while until they are going to be killed as you were. So a lot of people are going to be killed during the tribulation period. And then the Bible makes the statement that, yes, he's going to come back. In power and great glory. But first of all, he says, now here's your cue. This is when you're to run and get out of Jerusalem. In verse 15, when you see this, when you see the Antichrist, who is an abomination, going to the temple and desecrate the temple, claiming that he is God, he says, then you get out of there. Don't look back. Don't take anything with you. Just, just flee for your life. And so he says here in verse 16, Then let them which be in Judea flee unto the mountain, those that be in Judea. So we're not talking about those that be in uh, Tampa, Florida. It's not talking about them. It's talking about a certain group of people. Now get this. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let them which be in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, which was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Great tribulation. This is why we have the beginning of sorrows. The last half is the great tribulation. This is because of the Antichrist in verse 15 that says that... Uh, he is going to rule the world. He breaks the covenant, the peace with Israel. Then he says in verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Talking about the children of Israel. He says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, 
and shows signs, great signs, wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect, talking about the children of Israel. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. So how will we know who's the right one? He says, I'm going to tell you how you recognize when I come back. So you'll know I'm the right one because, see, this Antichrist claims to be Christ. And he will deceive the whole world. But Christ said, now here's how you can tell if it's the right one or not. So now he describes himself and he says he gives you the sign. You see there in verse 27. For as a lightning cometh out of the east, shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now wheresoever the carcasses, there will the eagles be gathered together. You'll know when I'm coming because you'll see me and every eye will see me. And I'll be coming from out of the sky. And he says, and it'll be as far as the east is to the west, you'll be able to see me. Bright. He says also, and wheresoever the carcasses, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. Moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. He says, uh, this is a good clue, right? When you say this is a good, good clue, this would be a good sign. When, when this happens, you'll know this has got to be the right one. And then, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So he says, when I come, he says, you, you'll, know, you'll know when I'm coming. And anybody who does it before that, he says, it's not the right one. They're imitations. They're false. So, we know the Lord is coming back. He promised that he's going to come back. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. This is when he's coming back. At the end of the tribulation period. Because they're about ready to totally annihilate the nation of Israel. And if God doesn't intervene, there'll be none of them left alive. They'll finally be able to achieve their goal. So here comes Christ, the knight in shining armor, to deliver them from the iron heel of the Antichrist. It's going to happen. God has promised. Now, he says, For the lightning cometh out of the east, shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Mamie. His coming is the sign. This is how it's going to be. Now, if you look close, I'm on the horse right behind him. You didn't see that. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, which I believe is a reference to the children of Israel, and they will all see him, and they will see the one that they have pierced. Because he says in the book of uh, Zechariah that they will say, where did you get those wounds that are in your hands? And he says, I got them in the house of my friends when he came the first time, but he's coming back. It's a prophecy. Most of these things are prophetic, history in advance. It's like somebody went forward in time and then came back and wrote about it. You see, you don't have to watch some movie about that stuff. Just read your Bible. It's more interesting and more exciting, and it's the truth. God tells us what's going to take place. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You see, when he comes in the rapture, you don't see all of this. 
Because, see, the rapture is only for those believers who have trusted Christ as Savior and are alive at that moment. Which, if he was to come right now, every person in here who has trusted Christ as Savior will be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is not the same as the revelation of Christ coming to the earth. And we'll show you that in just a minute. Warning, warning, warning. So many people get this all messed up. Do not put the teaching of the rapture of the church age, believers, into the book of Matthew. It's not there. And that's why whenever they read Matthew 24, he talks about two shall be in the field, one taken, one left. Two shall be in the bed, one taken, one left. That's not the rapture. They didn't know anything about the rapture. That's not a description of the rapture. We'll get into that at another time. Matthew is about Christ as the king of the Jews, not as the head of the church. And there is a difference. The rapture. Well, this is the living and the dead, believers in the church age. So when Christ comes back for you and I, the dead bodies are going to be resurrected. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those who are alive are going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Now, the revelation of Christ when he is revealed in power and great glory and every eye will see him, that takes place at the end of the tribulation period. So those that are alive at that period of time and those who have been martyred, as it says in Revelation chapter 20, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the cause of Christ. He says, and they shall live and reign with him for a thousand years. So that's a thousand year reign after this. But after the rapture, it's not the thousand year reign. After the rapture is the tribulation period. Two different things. Otherwise, we would be looking for what comes in here instead of what over here. We are taken out of this world seven years before this. I've had people say, don't you know there's other views in yours? Yes, I do. And I've studied every view I can think of from all different people and sources and books and so forth. And when they get to heaven, they're going to agree with me. You say, why don't you agree with them? Because then we'd both be wrong. The three main rapture views we hold to the pre-trib. You see, some people believe that the rapture takes place back here before the tribulation. It's called pre-tribulation. Then you have those that are mid-trib. Well, he comes in the middle right before the great wrath upon the earth. That's another view. I don't believe that. I don't believe that God will take his bride and push her into the tribulation period and beat her to half the death before he takes her home. Over here we have the post-tribulation view, which means he comes back at the end, and so the rapture and the second coming is all the same thing. No, it's not. So I wanted to make sure you understood that I understand there's other views, and which one's right? The pre-tribulation rapture. That's the correct position. thought I'd just let you know that. Why we believe in a pre-trib rapture? Let me tell you since you wanted to know. Because the 70th week of Daniel is seven years. There were 70 weeks total, which would be 490, because each week was seven years. So 490 years total are determined upon, and he says, upon thy people, Israel, and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem. All 70 of these weeks are about that. And that's what it's for. Now, 
He says, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks. That's 49 years. That's how long it took them to get back to the land and to build the temple. That was back in Ezra and Nehemiah's day. So the temple was built 49 years. Then he says, and after threescore and two weeks, 434 more years after the temple, shall Messiah be cut off. You write these scripture references down, and when you get home, you look them up, and you'll find out, man, I can believe the Bible. You sure can. He prophesied how long, even to the year, up until the Christ would be cut off. But it says this, he wouldn't be cut off because of anything he's done. But whenever he dies, that ends that 69th week. But there's one more week left. You see, 49 years and 434 years is a total of 483 years. It's supposed to be 490. So that means there's seven years left. After the crucifixion, there were seven years, one week, left to complete the prophecy before Christ would reign upon the earth. That's what he promised, and I believe it's going to happen. So when Christ mentions this in the book of Matthew in chapter 24, he's explaining that 70th week. And he's telling you that there is going to be seven more years, but it's out there in the future. But he says, now this is what's going to happen. Because he says in the book of Daniel, there's going to be a covenant made. He shall confirm the covenant with many one week. And in the midst of the week, it'll cause the sacrifices to cease. That's why in the book of Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15, in the midst of the week, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, in the midst of the week, that means in the middle of seven years, three and a half years, the Antichrist comes, stops the sacrifices, destroys the temple, and claims to be God and wants to annihilate the Jewish people. It's mentioned in the book of Daniel, verified again by Christ in the book of Matthew chapter 24. And then laid out in detail in the book of Revelation. So this week is upon Israel, not the church. Because this seven years belongs to the nation of Israel, and that 70 weeks is upon them. It's not upon the church. The church was not even mentioned in the Old Testament. There's types that we can apply, but it's not talked about, and there's no rapture. There's types about the rapture. Enoch was caught up, and Elijah was caught up, and the fiery chariot, and all that. But this is different. Now, look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look in verse 13. He is revealing something here that was not revealed before. And whenever he says, uh, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. A mystery is a truth that was hidden in times past, but now revealed for the first time. The teaching of the rapture being revealed for the first time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. That's the first time it's being revealed to the apostle Paul. Here in the book of 1 Thessalonians, it says in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that die, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So God says he's going to bring them with him. You know, those people that have died, 
absent from the body, present with the Lord, they're with the Lord. So when the Lord comes back, he's going to bring those people with him. And we're going to meet them in the air, and then shall we ever be with the Lord. Now get this. In verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of Yankee. Oh, I read that wrong. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The people have already died. See, they're in heaven with the Lord. The bodies are in the grave. The bodies are going to be made incorruptible, and we which are alive, our bodies, mortal, will put on immortality, not subject to death. And we'll be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and says in verse 17, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the scriptures tell us this. So there is a difference between the rapture and the revelation. Now get this. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught down. Oh, caught up. To meet the Lord on Mount Sinai. On Mount Zion. In the air. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, the rapture and the second coming. Christ comes in the air for his own. Comes in the air for us. That's the rapture. Seven years before the revelation when Christ comes to the earth. Now, Christ comes to the earth with his saints. So he comes in the air for his saints. That's us. He comes to the earth with his saints seven years later. We are going to be with the Lord. Because he says, remember, and so shall we ever be with So wherever he goes, we're going with him. He said, what if I've been disobedient? If you've been saved, you're going to be with him. If you've been disobedient, you're going to be ashamed of yourself. But you're still his child. You're still part of the bride of Christ. And you're going to be there. The church is taken to heaven. We're caught up to meet the Lord. And the Bible says, and we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ doesn't take place on the earth. It takes place in heaven. And we're going to be judged, not for our sins. Christ already paid for that. But God's going to reward you for what you did for him. And how you are glorified in the eyes of God by the rewards that you have or the robe that you have or the crown that you have. I don't know. I don't care. But God says, for those who serve him, him will my father honor. So you can't waste your life here if you serve the Lord. If you serve him, you're not wasting your life. Your life is not in vain. It's just payday later. Payday someday. God's going to pay you for what you did for him. Even though you did it out of a heart of love and you just wanted to thank the Lord so much for what he's done for you. But there are some of God's children that will never serve him. They fall in love with this world, and it's going to pass away. But if you know Christ as your Savior and you serve the Lord, God's going to reward you at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, when Christ comes to the earth, he sets up his kingdom on the earth. This is what he promised to the nation of Israel. See, it's the believers in the church age. We are the bride of Christ, and we go to heaven. But the people concerning the nation of Israel during that 400 and something years, that's for the kingdom upon the earth. Remember when Christ came the first time? He came to set up his kingdom. He was king of the Jews. But he was rejected as a king. So the kingdom was postponed and put out there in the future. 
So he's coming back one day. He's going to come to the earth. He's going to deliver Israel. Israel is not going to reject him. Israel is going to believe on him and trust him. And he's going to set up his kingdom upon the earth just like he promised. So those promises in the Old Testament about what God's going to do for the nation of Israel will come true. The church does not replace Israel. Christ sets up his kingdom upon the earth. The rapture could happen at any moment. And we'll be changed in a moment and twinkling like caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But you see, the revelation of Christ when he comes to the earth, when he's revealed, well, that can't happen at least for seven years. Because, you see, we're going to be taken out seven years before. Once you put these things in place, you can rightly divide the word of God. And it makes sense. Everything God says, it's true. And it's in order. There's a sequence to everything. Before the day of wrath, because God says it is, has not appointed us to the day of wrath. And he has delivered us from the hour of temptation that's coming upon the earth. But the revelation of Christ when he comes back, when every eye sees him, is immediately after the tribulation. We just read that in the book of Matthew in chapter 24, and I believe verse 30, something like that. There's no mention of Satan at the rapture. But for the revelation of Christ, when he comes back, the second coming to the earth, then he's bound in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. And that's why there's going to be a thousand years of peace upon this earth. Christ will be here and he will be ruling. Now, it'd be neat if uh, these politicians could bring peace upon the earth. But I say without the prince of peace, there will be no peace. There will be wars and rumors of wars until the very end, until it's all over. So the politicians may talk a lot, but you see, it's not in their power to perform. I would love to see America stay free until the rapture at least. Wouldn't you? He precedes the marriage of the Lamb because, you see, he comes and gets his bride, and then he takes her to the judgment seat of Christ so we can get ready and get in our wedding gowns, and that's dressing the righteous acts of the saints according to Revelation chapter 19. And so then he takes and comes back to the earth. And we, wherever he is, we're going to be with him. His bride descends with him. One, he comes for the bride, and then he comes with the bride. And this is after the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus Christ, only his own, will see him. When the rapture takes place, if it happened right now, we will see the Lord and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I won't get a chance to say goodbye to Mama. You say, why? Because she's already up there. But I will be able to say, hello. You see, everyone who's already died in the Lord, they're coming back with him. And we'll meet them in the air, and then so shall we ever be with the Lord. But when he comes back to the earth, every eye shall see him. And they shall see him coming in clouds of glory. In other words, that's not like immediately or all at once. They see him coming. Every eye will see him. Paul preached this, revealed for the first time. Enoch preached this, but I want you to see this verse very quickly. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51. And when he says here, now remember, this is to the apostle Paul, and this is a truth that is now being revealed for the first time. There's hints at it. But here's the declaration. He says this in verse 51 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. 
a truth being now revealed for the first time. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This is when the Lord comes back in the air, and he takes us out of here. Now look in the book of Jude in verse 14. The book of Jude is the book right before the book of Revelation. All right, Revelation. Whichever one you can find. If you can find the book of Jud. Book of Jude and look in verse 14. In verse 14, very important. This is on page 1329 in the church Bible. And verse 14 says, And Enoch... Now, when did Enoch live? Well, he was way back there before the flood. Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That was not a truth that had never been revealed. You see, the rapture hadn't been revealed. If the rapture, and that was referring to it, could not say, Behold, I show you a mystery. Because that truth had been revealed, and he preached it. We find also that Noah preached. So the Old Testament preached. But which one of these did they preach? Did they preach the rapture, or did they preach the revelation? Christ coming in power and great glory. So that means that that was a truth that had never been revealed before. This had been revealed before, and they're not the same. That's why the rapture could not take place at the same time as the Revelation of Christ. It happened seven years before. You see, the church is all the believers from Pentecost to the rapture. We make up the bride of Christ. Next time I get married, I'll be the bride. Now, that means Christ comes for his saints. The covenant is confirmed for the seven years. It's broke in the middle because of the Antichrist. He breaks the covenant. And then at the end, Christ comes back to the earth. Perilous times are coming. The key is this. Not so much as, will you be ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the rapture? That's the most exciting thing I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to our graduation. I'm looking forward to a lot of things. I'm even looking forward to growing old. I'm even looking forward to my 100th birthday. But I'm looking forward most of all to the rapture. The rapture could take place at any moment. Wouldn't it be a shame out of all the prophecies he gave, we are the generation that's going to be alive and not see death. That he could come and change our bodies where we'd be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Wouldn't it be awesome? Just awesome. Because see, he talked about the flood and there were some people there. Eight. They talked about a lot of things. I wouldn't have mind being here doing the crucifixion, but I'd be afraid I might be the one that was uh, the bad guy. But I'm glad that I'm alive now because this might be the generation that's alive when the Lord returns and takes us out of here and we can be changed and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But you see, you have to be a believer. You have to believe the right things. Not just be a good person, you know, a, a good disciple and a follower and a learner of Christ, but do you know him as your Savior? Say, so what do you mean? Glad you asked. I want to explain it to you. Now look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. What that means is we are not perfect. We've all sinned. 
We've all done things wrong, and because we did something wrong, we have to pay for the wrong we did. Okay, well, what, how much did it cost? Oh, $5. What if it's just $5 per sin? How much would you owe? But he says that he, he doesn't want any money. Okay, well, then I'll go to church. Well, he doesn't want that. Well, I'll just be good. I'll take care of the bad. No, no, no. You pay for the sin by dying. Wait a minute. That's not fair. He loves us so much. He doesn't want you to pay for your sins. But if we pay for our sins, eternal separation from God, since the whole world is guilty, we're all condemned. God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. No sin. But none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all done things wrong. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, but he hates our sin, because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So what he did is he took all the sin of all the world, mine, yours, everybody, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead, and said the only thing he wanted us to do to go to heaven is believe he did this for you. So if he paid for my sins, then I won't have any sins to pay for. If I don't have any sins to pay for, I don't have to go to hell. I can go to heaven. Why? Because I'm debt free. All my sins are paid. God finds no fault in me. I'm not guilty. Why? Because somebody paid my debt and gave me the free gift of everlasting life. So if you believe he did it for you, God saves you from hell, gives you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. So if the rapture took place right now, God's only looking for one thing. It's like he's doing extreme vetting. Only those who believe that he paid for all their sins and trusted him, accepted that. God's looking for that faith. And everybody who has that faith in what he did, you're out of here. There'll be a lot of people who are trusting in their good works, going to church, giving money. They will still be here because they're not saved because they never trusted him as their only hope of going to heaven. So that's why it's so important to get this right. You've only got this one life, one chance in life to get this right. Wouldn't it be a shame to make a mistake on this? He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm so glad I know I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven whenever I die. And hopefully, I won't even have to die. Now, if I offered you my Bible and you accept it, you'd have a Bible. If I offered you my wallet and you accept it, you'd have an empty wallet. If Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. If it's eternal life, how long would it last? If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. Of course. That's why so many people here at Calvary know they're going to heaven. It's not because they're the, they're the best people in the world. Oh, I don't know. They might be. It's because they trusted Christ as their Savior. That's the only reason. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If what I've said made sense to you, you say, man, that, that really woke me up. I want to make sure that I'm going to heaven. So, friend, why not right now? I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. Don't want you to sign anything, promise anything. But right where you are, will you receive what Christ did for you? Will you receive him as your payment for sin? 
Would you believe he died and paid for your sins and when you accept him as your Savior? If you will, then God said he will save you right now, give you right now eternal life. When you get up to leave, you can say, I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die because today I trusted Christ as my Savior. Friend, that's the best news in the world. If you've never done that, don't you think now's a good time to do it? When the rapture could take place at any moment. Or you could also die at any moment. Why not right now accept Christ as your Savior? And if you will, I'd like to know and I'd like to have prayer for you. So I'm going to ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. Like I said, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I'd like to know and I'd like to have prayer for you. If you will trust Christ as your Savior. If you've never done it before and you'll do it right now. Would you say, preacher, pray for me. I want to trust Christ as my Savior right now. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Just slip it up, put it right back down. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you trust Christ right now, then God saves you right now, gives you eternal life right now. If you're watching by internet right there on the screen, says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Why don't you just click that on, let us know. Yes, you're trusting Christ as your Savior right now. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you so much for the opportunity we have to have a copy of your mind on paper so that we can know the will of God. And Father, we know that you love us. We know that you loved us so much you sent your Son. And we know that you love us so much that you sent your Son to pay for our sins so that by faith alone we can have the free gift of everlasting life. Thank you, Lord, for that one that indicated this morning they would trust your Savior because we know according to your word, you'll never cast them out, never lose them. They can know that they're going to heaven. So bless each one here. Give us a good day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.